Welcome back to another episode of the Leaders Who Love What They Do podcast. I'm Anne Collins, your host, and I have Hélène Bajani, and she joins me today from Paris. She's a global learning and development leader. She's actually from Lebanon, but she's living in Paris and has been for some time. She has over 15 years of international experience in people development in the corporate world. We'll hear more about that later. So I heard Helen talk about her work on another podcast earlier in the year, and I immediately got in touch with her because I was so struck by her strong and guiding sense of purpose, as well as her practical experience of making it happen. And I just love this combination, a guiding sense of purpose, plus the actual work and the hands-on approach. Because Ellen, she's really on a mission to build better workplaces where people feel engaged and empowered to learn and grow. So I'm absolutely delighted to welcome you, Ellen. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me, Anne. It's a pleasure. So we're going to dive in. We've got a few questions and lots to discuss. So you are someone who is truly passionate about your work. And with this very strong sense of purpose that's so inspiring. So can we start by just asking you who and what has inspired you in your career? It's a great question, actually, because people get inspiration from many different things. For me, I would say it was my first job experience. I take it as an opportunity when I look back to it now, but it wasn't a good experience. So the first job experience I had, I had a bad manager, what we currently would call like a toxic manager, someone who would just diminish me in public, say that I'm not doing well without even supporting me. It didn't feel right. And it got me curious. Do workplaces have to be like that? Is it normal? It was my first experience. I didn't know. So I started investigating that. Back then I was studying business and then I'm like, I got an HR course and I got intrigued about people development And then I started getting into what gets people engaged in their work. I saw that people spend so much of their time working. It's worth having this time being fulfilled, being happy, feeling that we're contributing to something. It's a shame to just wait for retirement um, (laughs) or for the weekend. Uh, It would be great if you can just enjoy every day. So I got curious about what drives people, what makes them more engaged? What do great workplaces look like? And this is what has driven my work since then. Now that's that's fascinating that you came from really quite a, a negative experience to then start exploring all of that. And now obviously you're you're absolutely committed to this to building better workplaces where people can really thrive. So what is your vision for a workplace that works for everybody? I would start by saying honestly that there is no one size fits all. Mm-hmm. We all have different needs. I could thrive in an environment where you would feel unhappy. Yes. It really depends on our own personal values, what we're looking for, what we expect from others, uh, where we're coming from with our background as well. But there are a few common things that make great workplaces. One of them is, for example, a place where I feel like people are valued for their differences and Mm -hmm. we nurture differences. Today, we're talking a lot about inclusive workplaces where people feel they belong and all of that. It didn't just come out of nowhere. We have this need to be valued for our difference. And when I say difference, it's not just in terms of ethnicity or background. It's also diversity of thought, uh, the way we see the world, the way the ideas that we have, our opinions, our thoughts matter. So valuing differences is something that makes great workplaces. Another thing is having companies with inspiring purposes. People need to feel part of something bigger than themselves. So driving an environment where people feel that they are making a difference in the world helps create this great work workplace. Another thing that's more at the personal level, and we're talking more and more about it, is psychological safety. Places where people feel free to speak their mind, not blame cultures, not control cultures, but more cultures where people feel they can be themselves without 
fear of judgment or fear of consequences. And the last one that's really important, and it's at the essence of my work, is a focus on adding value to people as well, not just from people, and by developing them, developing and growing people. And really, it goes back to building their employability making them employable, even if it means that they have to leave your organization. This is what would make great workplaces for me. I think that's fascinating. Can I just come back to something you said about values are obviously important. And if we're nurturing for differences, how do you see that that works where a company can have obviously strong values, but can still celebrate and nurture difference? How do you see that working out? These things can be happening at the same time. Values mean different things to different people. And then you would have within the same culture, you would have team values that are different than the organization values, although they could be interconnected. But for me, a difference can contribute to making something more interesting. If we are in the same team and we have different opinions, we can debate, we can be more creative, we can be more innovative. And this is what drives innovation. This is what drives productivity businesses. If we all think the same way, I would say it's a bit dull and don't make much changes happen. The impact is more reduced, but then it has to be with respect of everyone. But companies' values are what is really something that we live every day. There's one quote that I really love is that when we think about culture, it's the behaviors that are tolerated in a business. So if you think about it, it's more about how are people expected to behave regardless of their differences? Is talking badly to others something that's normal or not? I mean, if you want to get a sense of the real values of an organization, just got, get on a team meeting with yes. and listen to them, see how they talk to each other, whether they support each other or whether they are individualistic, whether they talk badly at each other. And this is what values are. This is what values are. This is how it surfaces. And everyone would have their place in a healthy environment. I think that that's so important, isn't it? That values, we see that through behavior, but we can still have diversity of thought. And and as you say, that brings that creativity. So with all of that in mind, Ellen, what need to be our priorities in 2022? Things are already moving after the pandemic which is very good. I think it's moving in the right direction. We need to move more towards focusing on the employee experience. We've heard about it a lot, but it needs to be more personalized based on people's needs, not just fancy words. We need to continue developing people's employability. And when I think about employability, it's the whole work around upskilling, reskilling, making sure that people are equipped and have the right skills for the yes. for the roles of the future, because roles are changing. Some roles are disappearing, others are going to be created. And with that comes leadership development that we need to continue on focusing on. We've been doing that for decades, and we need to continue on doing that because leaders play a key role in the development of their people. And all of this goes into the corporate culture. I keep coming back to that, but I truly believe that cultures, healthy corporate yes. cultures impact day-to-day work, they impact productivity, they impact business results, they impact strategy. So rethinking corporate cultures, what it really means when we talk, for example, about well-being, what does it really mean? It's not about creating well-being programs and deploying them across the organization. It's the things we were talking about, how people talk to each other, what's accepted, setting the expectations of how we need to behave. Yeah, that's uh, that's so important, isn't it? And you said so many different things there. Can I just ask you about the employability part of it? And I think this idea of preparing people for their future, not just preparing the organization for its future is a really refreshing idea. What do you think we need to do as leaders to make sure that that is not just an add-on? Because I could see that that could easily become the final question of a kind of a performance review. And how do we really incorporate that and embed that idea in day-to-day life in an organization? This is tightly linked to leadership 
social development. When you have leaders who are confident and they don't feel threatened by having a high performer on their team, they support them. And it goes back to coaching people for success, which means understanding, listening to people, understanding what their needs are, what are their career aspirations, and being okay knowing that they want to leave the team and do something else and supporting them with that, connecting them with the right people in the organization if they want to grow within the organization or elsewhere. Even going that far and saying, okay, I'm here for you. And you know what? The impact is so powerful. When they do that, some people will stay. And when they do, they're going to give you their best. And if they leave, they can support you and bring on great people as well. Refer great people. It's, it's a ripple effect in a very positive way. There is all win-win in it. And as you say, that feeling of win-win, that again comes back to, to what you were saying about culture as well, isn't it? If it's a win-win for everybody, then everyone's moving forward. So I'd just like to ask you about times when that aren't win-win, when things are more challenging. So when you faced challenges, how do you deal with those? I mean, there are different types of challenges, I would say. There are some challenges that are external. We don't control them. It could be, you know, the pandemic was a big challenge for all of us how we're going to work differently. The technology evolving so quickly, that's a challenge. Sometimes we cannot keep up. Dealing with different people, different people with have, who have different emotions, different values, different... Yes. This is a challenge sometimes, especially if you're a leader on a team, for example, or even, you know, working with others. You, their work influences your work. These are external challenges, I would say. So when I deal with this stuff, I always try to focus on what I can control. And I truly believe that the only thing that we can control is our attitude toward things. That's the only thing we can control. All the rest, we just have to let it be. And our attitude is something that we choose. And I always try to choose a positive attitude to say, okay, what can I do about this? If I cannot do anything, just be okay with it. Let it go. And the different, the other type of challenges that I think occupy our minds even more is the internal challenges. How we feel about things, Mm. how the the world impacts us, the negative thoughts, the limiting beliefs, the fears, the fear of failing, the fear of not being good enough, not being accepted, the limiting beliefs that we get from our society, what Mm. is expected of us, we should be behaving like. And this is something that impacts everyone. Some of the things that I personally do, I've done a lot of personal development work on myself to manage this. I write positive affirmations. I have a list and I keep going back to it whenever I'm not feeling great. How do I want to show up in the world? I remind myself of Mm -hmm. the good things that I've accomplished so that I can lift myself up. I'm my best buddy. I write sometimes letters to my future self. It might seem strange, but it works because I'm the person who knows myself the most, how I'm going to feel in certain situations. It's patterns that keep repeating. So I write myself letters and when I read them, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's true. This will pass. I'm going to be okay. And I do lots of writing. I love writing and I really know the power of it. I write intentions for my day and I post it next to my screen and I'm like, how do I want to show up today? And it keeps me grounded and it keeps me on track. That's amazing. And I love the exercise of writing letters. I use that a lot as well for myself. It's amazing, isn't it? What comes out as well. I'm always surprised. (laughs) I'm surprised as well when I read them. Oh yeah, that's true. Okay. (laughs) And and quite often it's it's a pleasant surprise. So yes, and I often find that when I'm working with clients doing those kind of exercises, it can be very liberating. And yes, with these pleasant surprises that we we discover things about ourselves that we didn't really know existed. And uh, so a great one there. So I want to come back to another idea. Idea. And we've spoken about it a lot because I, I so enjoy our conversations, Ellen. It's always, a, it, it's always such a pleasure to chat to you. And I'd love to share this little bit with my listeners because I know that 
feeling that we belong is is so important to you and to your work in global companies. And from your own experiences of working in different cultural environments, in different languages, what have you learned about what we need to feel that we belong? And what should leaders be doing in a very practical way? I think it can become quite theoretical, this idea. Just a a couple of practical ideas that, that you put into practice yourself. Belonging is definitely something critical that I'm glad that we're having conversations about it even more today. And it's different from diversity. Sometimes people just mix things up. Can you just explain that a little bit, Ellen? Because I think that's very interesting. Belonging is something that every human needs in some form or another. Some people need it more than others. Belonging is about feeling that we are part of something bigger than ourselves. We have this need to feel that we matter, that mm-hmm. our work matter, what we're contributing matters. We're not just, you know, if we leave, nothing's going to change. It's like le- leaving a legacy somehow. So yeah, it's a universal human need. Yes. When we talk about diversity, diversity of thoughts, it contributes to belonging, but it's two different things. And when I think about belonging, it's more about individuals feeling that they are seen, that they are heard, yes. that they are valued. Mm. And this is where we get to the practical piece of it. So when we're a leader, the way we can do that is listen to people, actively listen, be curious, ask them questions, value their difference, don't judge them. And we can catch ourselves doing that sometimes. We're all biased somehow. Another thing that's very practical and helps a lot, and I've been experiencing it a lot lately with my current job, is recognition. Recognizing people for the great things that they do can go a long way. We don't realize that enough. We can take it for granted. Saying thank you, planning what is it that, not just saying thank you, what is it that you did? How did you make me feel? How did your work impact others? It matters. And also, Supporting people's growth. We go back to the same subject about great workplaces. There is a tight relationship here. When you support people's growth, they feel that they belong. They feel like, yeah, this is the right place for me. It's healthy for me. It's helping me become the person I want to be. And I want to stick around. I want to be there. And leaders specifically have this responsibility to share the vision with, with their people, explaining to them the big picture. What is the company moving towards? What's the team moving towards? Why I am asking you to do this thing? How it contributes to the big picture. Help them understand that. And I really believe that sharing the vision, communicating constantly is an important one, is a core one to for a sense of belonging. And the last one I would add is foster a safe environment. It goes back to what we talked about earlier with psychological safety. People need to feel comfortable that they can speak up when something's yes. wrong, when they don't feel okay. Tell their manager, I mean, we're talking a lot about mental health lately, and I'm glad this conversation is also surfacing. Being okay saying, I'm not okay. I need time off and having my colleagues and my manager pick up the work and supporting me. And this is not something easy, definitely a challenge, but this is what fosters a sense of belonging, feeling it goes back to feeling valued. What I really like about those practical things that you've given us, we can do that straight away, can't we? This isn't, no, we don't need to wait. We can do it today. And it's about changing the way that we're thinking about, maybe even the way leaders even think about themselves, almost their own impact in the workplace. I wonder whether there's also something about maybe leaders can forget sometimes just how powerful their words are. And like you say, just recognizing what people are doing, saying thank you, but being specific about that and truly listening, being a hundred percent present in a conversation, not kind of 50%. And that impact is so powerful, isn't it? It's a big responsibility to be a leader. We take it sometimes for granted. Lots of people want to be, you know, managers, have teams, but they don't realize responsibility that comes with it. Even a leader's mood impacts their team. 
if they're not feeling okay, it's going to impact others. They're going to get worried. We don't realize it enough. Yeah. Well, we've come to our last question. My goodness. I've already asked you for so many practical tips, but I'm going to ask you for one more, Ellen, if that's okay. Do you have a top tip for leaders? One thing that would really make the difference? For me, it goes back to what I was saying earlier. That is the core of my work. Help people have a fulfilling career. Be themselves. If you can do that, you're going to impact them for life. I was fortunate enough to have experienced that with a leader, feeling heard, feeling safe, feeling that my manager really cares about what I do with my life and for my success. Help people succeed and do everything that it takes to get there, to have fulfilling careers you would have made a big impact, even if it's just on one person. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much, Ellen. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you today. The pleasure is mine. Thank you, Anne. Well, thank you. If people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way? I would say LinkedIn. Great. I'm always there. Happy to connect. Lovely. Well, I will put the link in the show notes for anyone who would like to contact Ellen. Just go to the show notes and you'll see the details there of how you can contact her. Well, thank you, Ellen, and I wish you all the best for the new year. Thank you again for joining us. And to all our listeners, thank you for joining us and do join us again to meet another leader who loves what they do. Bye-bye.